Welcome to another episode, a new episode. We're doing another one of these of Condo Comrades, our podcast about Marie Kondo's The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up and other media and events in the uh, ever-expanding condoverse. I'm your host, Eric Kaoli, a.k.a. The Skincare Spender, Young Ube Ice Cream, The Filipino Bull in Mirina Wool. On the other mic, Kenneth Deakins, a.k.a. Mr. Yikes, Kenny Kondo, The Book Burner, The Misogyny Monitor, we're back in your ears, in your in your iTunes. Hello, everyone. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to be less apathetic to start things off. Not going to be how a so? energy jab. <laughs> how how are you apathetic in the previous ones? Oh, I feel like I, I'm always just like, hello, yeah, what's up? So, do you think you do that because you're you're trying to con- you're trying to convey a sense of being casual or you're you're just yeah it's being casual slash it's like awkward am i trying to like pretend i'm actually talking to a person or oh and not 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 for an audience yeah performing Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) as we do with every episode even though it's been um months and months since we recorded the last one we start off um with some some apologies because I feel like we always have something to be sorry for. Yeah, I um I have a I have a major apology. You're you're not involved in this one, but this is an apology to a, a very very important part person, um, someone who's near and dear to many many Americans' hearts. That is um former President Barack Obama. I referred to his his most important achievement, his high school group of friends, as the Ganja Gang. But it's actually the Chum Gang, and I'd like to apologize to him for for misrepresenting his his weed smoking gang as the Ganja Gang instead of the Chum Gang. Do we do we really need to dedicate time toward that? He's the, <laughs> he was the president. He's like yeah. I mean, and uh, my I, I know I sent you this. My favorite detail is he was famous for interceptions, which is basically where he would shout interception. And steal the joint and smoke it from people. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks, Obama, and sorry, Obama. And what was it you said before we started recording? You wanted to make sure he doesn't call a drone strike on you. Yep. <laughs> this got dark really quick. I mean, he was the president, and he did did blow. Okay, people. okay. People tune in into the show for the drama, which we're about to get into. Um, in fact, that's why we had to call an emergency recording of the of the um, the condo comrades. Yeah, let me cast. tell you. Nor- normally, scheduling this stuff is like a three week affair. Where I'm uh-huh. like, Eric, what about this day? And he and he doesn't he doesn't respond. Then- <laughs> yeah, I said, what? Like, who whose number is this? Like, who are you? And then um, he comes and he's like, oh, man, I guess we were supposed to record. And but this this week I was like, all right, let's record after work. He's like, no, nah, no. Nah. What about during work? Um, <laughs> that's not true if Eric's employers are listening. And and finally, he was like, "Now we got to do it tonight. It's it's it has to happen. The haters are out in full force. We got to respond. You know, the defense squad assemble, full full stand mode." I was actually surprised that people were waiting for our thoughts on this. Yeah, people people like were that, at us. Yeah, that's not something that I'm making up. Like. When I say people, two maybe two people, we're like, what are you? What when are you gonna um release a statement? As as if we're 
we're um players in the Condoverse game. I know, I know. I mean, I I, I respect their fans, um, but you know, while we while we have some great takes, you guys can think for yourselves and understand these attacks are baseless and bad, and the haters are always wrong. Let's talk about the lead up to this because we've been um, on hiatus for a while. So there have been things going on. When we last got together to record, we mentioned that um, the the her Netflix program uh, was nominated for two Emmys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell was, me the results of that. Um, so unfortunately, she, the haters and the Emmy committee denied her her rightful place. Um, and instead they gave it to Queer Eye, which I was expecting. Um, you know, and we've talked about that a bunch. Not gonna, not gonna rehash it. It's not bad. It's good. It's not as good as, 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 um, tidying up. Tidying up, yeah. But, but it's, it's not terrible. And the other one to RuPaul for hosting Drag Race, which I like Drag Race a lot, but I really do feel like RuPaul is not the best part of Drag Race. It's all about the queens. Um, and it's it's a little bit of a bummer to um, give RuPaul best host at, at this juncture. So that happened. What else has Murray been up to? She re- she put out oh. a children's book, and, uh, which we yeah we mentioned. Yeah, and other 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 big thing to note about the Emmys. Another thing that happened is James Corden carpool karaoke won best visual direction over um, Beyonce's movie which is totally wild and gives you an idea of where the emmy committee's head was at um carpool karaoke over beyonce with james corden yeah i i don't know like i I think you you don't need to say more than that It's, it's just it's a clown show i mean if you saw homecoming you saw the work that went into it and um just everything that Beyonce overcame and all the work she did to, to produce the, these two like groundbreaking iconic shows that she performed. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how you give this to, there's, um, there's really not much more to say. <laughs> yeah. So, so those were the Emmys, but that's not, that's not what brought us here. What brought us here in, into this, um, this recording, Kenny. Well, um, Maria Kanzu is opening up her own store, um, e-commerce store. Um, I heard the news and was like, okay. I think I think Claire told me about it, and I was, I looked at some stuff. Um, didn't go too into it, and was like, I was like, okay, that's good. Good for her, you know. Get get money, get paid. Um, you know, I'm I'm probably not going to get anything, but I was I was happy with it, you know. And and then a couple a couple days later, the haters started rolling in. Uh, coming out the woodwork yeah just just crawling out clout chasing getting their their clickbaity articles in all that you know so real quick this online shop it's it's actually hosted on her company's site conmarie.com and she's selling directly out of this shop but she has recommended things and sold things through collaborations in the past like she sold like organizing boxes and um some other items that i can't recall at the moment but this isn't the first time she sold anything but this is like a kind of an upgrade of what she's done in the past with this e-shop yeah all right so do you want to do you want to read a couple of these headlines to give you an idea 
of of how we're really not exaggerating about the the haters coming all the way out. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> immediate immediately we were barraged with um with uh think pieces. Maria Kondo betrays her whole premise by launching e commerce store full of useless junk. That is um from the AV Club. Uh, Jezebel also put out an article with the the headline. Marie Kondo launches online shop to fill your home after she told you to dump it all. Not, and, um, not good. Yeah, the mo- the most in depth and the most scathing one we've seen so far is um, Marie Kondo goes full goop, comparing it to a uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's a much maligned. Um, what would you call it? Subscription service, or is it just? It's not really subscription. It's more just selling very high price. lifestyle almost a lifestyle brand of expensive stuff yeah and first off i'd like to say the first two of those um come from two former gizmodo properties part of gm media group uh, the the recently deceased deadspin and i'm not gonna don't want to bash them too much even though they're wrong here because you gotta have solidarity with with you know, all those people suffering under GM Media and the, the falling Docker product. And especially Deadspin, which is a website I think we both liked a lot. Yes, very much. So I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the Atlantic David Frum's bullshit prop. <laughs> um, Alright, so as you said, the article is called Rikanu Goes Full Goop. Um, and this is this is the lead in. Earlier this week, Kondo announced a new online shop on her KonMari website. She's been selling a line of storage boxes for her tidy methods since 2018, but this new venture is different. Much of its inventory is mundanely minimalist, such as dove gray bath linens and food storage containers in neutral shades. Even KonMari obsessives have leftovers. The store ships only to the United States, but sells many high-end Japanese tools, such as handmade matcha whisks and hand-whittled shiatsu sticks. Shiatsu. Shiatsu. Thank you. Apologies. Um, and, you know, this is this is starts off to just like a pretty basic basic description of what it is. And, you know, this all seems fine to me. Um, there's a little, a little bit of snark here that we left that behind in, in the 2010s. Um, but whatever. It was just sort of like, yeah, it seems fine by me. And then, you know, a little bit later it continues. It's ballsy to encourage people to throw away their possessions only to turn around and sell them replacements. Despite the profound irony, though, Kandu's pivot from decluttering Svengali to Chiatse retailer isn't particularly... Chachki. Chachki retailer isn't particularly <laughs> surprising. She has muscled her way to legitimate celebrity status in America. In 2019, the endgame of fame is always sales. Um, so I think... This is like where things start to get interesting because I, I feel like here is where it starts to disconnect from her message. Uh, so she doesn't. Yeah. It's very much um, misinterpreting the message. Well, that that's our argument at least. And yeah, essentially he's saying she told you to get rid of all this stuff and now she's selling you stuff to replace to replace everything. Um, yeah, and then to clarify, right, so- yeah, the, the author of this article is she, it's Amanda Mole. Um, but, um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's just sort of, yeah, it's, it's not, you aren't buying the same things you're throwing away. It's about sort of 
looking at all the stuff you have and focusing on what the important stuff is. And that doesn't mean you never want to have new stuff. It just means that you want to be more selective about the new stuff you get um, and sort of make sure that like, okay, do I really, um, do I really need this? Okay. The next part is now in this, the press release, Kanda promises she touched all the products in her shop to ensure they brought her joy. Instead of focusing on reflection, fans are being asked to defer to her personal taste. The same value proposition provided by any celebrity backstore or product line. I think this is like almost a real critique, but I think is more complicated than that. Um, and yeah, so his argument or the, her argument seems to be that she's selling you stuff that brings her joy and instead instead of letting you pick things that bring you joy like your own style or your own aesthetic or is that am i am i interpreting that yeah, right? yeah that that's that's pretty much that's correct um that's that's or that, that's not correct but that is also my interpretation yeah and i think i think one of the like the items i think that that i remember a lot of people making a big deal of is she's selling like a, a 90 dollars tuning fork um and sort of she's talked a lot about sort of tuning forks and what they mean to her um and i think it's you know, it's easy to like hear $90 tuning fork and go, what the fuck? That's a, that's a scam. But sort of, you can also look at it as, you know, she sort of looks at the tuning fork and the way she talks about it is almost spiritual and just sort of, it's about having an object that you can use to like recenter yourself and focus on and really center a lot of your life. You know, sort of, you look at it and you, you sort of, and the, and the idea is to get in tune, but it's sort of a, an, an object that is sort of connected to an idea and a thought and sort of is very important to her. And I, I think, I think like right here is sort of where I see a little bit of the point. Cause it is like, there's a lot of cynicism in consumerism, but I think a little bit of that is projecting onto, um, you know, onto the Camry store of, you know, I, I think she may very well be genuine and say, like, this is an object that meant a lot to me. And I think that, you know, if you think about it and you buy this sort of expensive thing that's nice and that means a lot to you, you can think about it in the same way, too, and it can sort of recenter you as well. I mean, this is, to me, this is a lot of stuff that I can envision her having in her own home. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the tuning fork, which by the way, it's, it's not $90, it's $50. Okay. So <laughs> it's, it's $75 if you want a quartz crystal to go with it, but, which I think is also another thing that um, people are, are angry about her selling you crystals. Um, I mean, like I said, I, I think I can, a lot of this is very like Muji core type products um, that I can totally see in her home. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's disingenuous for her to say, these are some of my favorite things that bring me joy. And if you want them, if you, if your aesthetic matches mine, here's what here's what I'm into. Yeah, and I, I think it's like I think it's fine for to, to sell expensive ish stuff. Like I I think, you know, it takes a lot to produce stuff. And I think, you know, if you wanna have something that's like solidly built, um, you know, and like obviously, it's still she is like taking a cut of all that in between. You know, through the alchemy of, you know, her brand is like turning, making this stuff more valuable. 
but it's it's not to say that people who who will buy this stuff won't have sort of this you know won't have her book in mind or her view on what this tuning fork means in mind when they buy it um you know and it's possible it may end up happening that sort of it just becomes uh like a an item that rich people buy to show off that they have this and and don't sort of have this real connection to but it doesn't it doesn't seem like that's her intent and i think it's i think it's prematurely cynical about this yeah yeah i think that's that's kind of my issue with um a lot of these uh think pieces that came out i mean obviously we're gonna stand for her no, no matter what i don't know what you expected when you when you came on here if you expected us to join in on piling on her but um it's a lot a lot of this the the arguments i see about it or a lot of the criticism i feel is a um is twisting the message into something very cynical and is assuming the worst and also a lot of it also feels like people who are waiting for an excuse or any argument that they could have to um to start tearing her down yeah i think that i think that's definitely true um and i think, I think it's- to me it very much seems like that that uh comic you always see as a response in tweets where it's like uh you you criticize capitalism and yet you participate in it <laughs> with, with the guy popping out the well or you 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 criticize society and yet you're a member of it yeah um very much that we're like oh you're you you tell us to get rid of things and yet you're also selling us things um and it, to me it's a very uh simplistic um argument to make yeah and i think i think it gets it gets this like core idea of but part of what people are responding to is sort of you know in her in her what she's most well known for is essentially almost minimalism but it's but what it really is is sort of learning how to refocus on your possessions and the things in your life to sort of make sure they're actually important to you and sort of have meaning um and that and sort of the process by which you got too much stuff that doesn't have meaning is sort of consumerism but that doesn't mean that everything you have doesn't have meaning and that doesn't mean you can't buy something that has meaning and it's it's sort of like and I, th- I think there's a really useful Marxist concept called commodity fetishism, which is basically the idea that um, capitalism causes you to see economics about stuff and goods rather than about people. And sort of all this stuff is made by people and, um, you know, like this tuning fork and, the, and then someone's going to buy it and they're going to have it. And you can think of like, and when you think of the tuning fork as a good, it's kind of very silly. It doesn't fulfill any need. It's just sort of, it, it's it's sort of like, it's it's not really a commodity. Um, but when you sort of think about things as sort of as a people first view, it's sort of you can look at the the tuning fork and you can be like, this is something that someone will have in their life that can sort of bring them. I would say almost spiritual meaning and sort of direction and sort of guidance in their life. And it's when you take a step back from sort of how we're taught to like think about things and buying and selling and, you know, 
I, I feel like she's doing the best she can to sort of re, you know, like sort of refocus people in the, the, in, in the relation to stuff rather than ha- having everything be stuff for, or fetishizing the commodity rather than fetish, rather than focusing on the social relationships of stuff. Dropping knowledge on me here. <laughs> yeah. I go, I go, I go, also, you know, I'm also just fine with her getting paid. You know, if a bunch of like upper middle class tastemakers decide the fashionable thing to do is buy her crystals, um, that's and they're kind of overpriced relative to the production value, I'm really just fine with that. Like, I don't who care. To me, it's just it's so corny to me to to interpret it as like, oh, this philosophy is about uh, this, this. If you adopt the Conmarie philosophy, you have to become a monk about things and just totally divorce yourselves from from material belongings. And um, if if this thing brought you joy in participating in this, then um, selling something or buying something makes you a hypocrite. Yeah, and. And um, and it's it's for outsiders who are like, who don't buy into it. To it's it's just fuel for them to call you out. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Um, yeah, it's corny to me. Yeah, and you're allowed to like nice things. You're allowed to want to buy nice things. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's okay to buy things. Consumerism gets a bad rap. I feel like it's like criticizing consumerism is a bit like and i know we've done it a little bit but it's a little like like stuff is nice (laughs) material possessions are nice and like obviously it's true that you can have too much stuff and get disconnected from your stuff and your stuff stops to bring you joy but like having stuff is nice yeah and i also see a lot of attacks on when when people attack um miss kondo on these things it's sort of like a proxy for I don't know, just attacking the whole philosophy because maybe it's not something that you buy into. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of ra- rambling here, but also, I don't, I don't know. You're just, <laughs> you're allowed to like nice things and buy them. And also when people buy into it, into um, her sort of method, it's like, it's not a, it's not like a, a monolithic belief like there's some things that you're into like maybe you just like to fold things the way that she says it doesn't mean that you're completely um getting rid of everything and living as a minimalist yeah like maybe you just want to get rid of a bunch of books that you're holding on to that uh don't bring you joy yeah and i would i would say like i don't really want to buy much of this stuff but if you want to go for it you know just and i would say I would say the key thing is to make sure you ingest some of her philosophy before buying any of this, because that's sort of where things would go wrong. But I think most people that would be buying this stuff will, will be like familiar with sort of her ideas and about how you should have a relationship to your stuff. I, I think that um, some people are like starting to, to come out and uh, come, come like join our defense force in all this like new york times also put out a piece in response to all the other think pieces coming out hers was um marie kondo wants to sell you nice things what's wrong with that and i think that's that's where i'm at yeah normally i'm a huge new york times hater but they got this one right yeah 
Um, I mean, that's not to say that a lot of these things in the shop are like wildly priced. <laughs> Have you seen what what she's charging for a lot of this stuff? I mean, no. I mean, like I, and I think I think. I mean, like, I don't know what it takes to make a tuning fork, but $50 seems fine for that. Okay, let's let's get into some of these items in her shop if you want to. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. Um, because I think it, we, we've been kind of talking about it and not really being specific about what's in it besides besides this tuning fork that we keep bringing up for some reason. Uh, it's the, very memorable. The thing that, yeah, the thing that immediately stands out to me um, is from her aromatherapy section, which I guess that's kind of like, is, is aromatherapy real? Um, Do you know? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe so, it is, maybe it is. So, so I have a pet peeve where people have this idea that, so, so psychosomatic is like illnesses caused by your brain where you have like rashes break out, but you don't have like any like physical infection in your skin. It's just like, you just believe you Yeah, do. and people always think that's not real, but no, it's real. Your brain is very powerful. And sort of the question of is is something real if it's only caused by your brain? The answer is obviously yes. And but people say real to mean a like presence outside of your brain. Um but like I don't know, if you just like smell something and think differently, that's that's real. Yeah, I think I agree with that. We'll, we'll talk about that another time because that's an interesting topic to me, actually. Uh, so some of the stuff she sells in her aromatherapy section of her shop, uh, $120 oil diffuser, which is a, that's a bit expensive. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, if you go on Amazon, you can find some price like that, right? Uh, I, I mean, like, I don't, sure. I, I'm, I'm not, as I, as I said, I saw this and was like, I'm not really interested in buying any of that stuff, but good for her. And so... As I, I, don't, okay. I, don't, I don't really want to buy, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go with no on this one, but. Okay. She's also selling an $86 candle called the Queen's guard candle. And it's, um, it's a black tea blend that evokes English gardens dappled with dew. Okay. Shout outs to shout outs to whoever's writing this copy, by the way, this is, this is good stuff. Um, you, you had me in the first half. I'm not going to lie. And then you brought in English gardens and I, contractually obligated <laughs> to say no oh yeah kenny has a famous hatred uh for the english uh, by the by the way yeah I, I mentioned um shout outs to the copywriters you got to pay the copywriters for this too their fee goes into how much she's charging you for this 86 dollar candle which has a burn time of approximately 75 hours I mean, um, time. yeah uh other other wildly priced stuff she sells leather room shoes for 206 dollars what are what are those like what what is that so they're an essential element of japanese life room shoes are synonymous with the comforts of home um which actually like these are pretty common they're just basically slippers but if you have hardwood floors and if you're in an asian household where you don't wear shoes inside um like a savage um (laughs) You you tend to wear slippers like this because it it can wear on your joints and your your feet. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and they're, they're handmade, suede like leather. Two hundred dollars. Okay, that is a very high price to pay for shoes that you don't even wear outside that people will see. I got it. But you, you think? Yeah, I. 
Well, I, I kind of disagree. I'm 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 gonna counter it. Like that does seem like a hard price, or a high price. But you're wearing it every day, so your cost per wear is gonna be down pretty low. And I don't know if you're like me. You Kenny knows I'm kind of like a, a sneakerhead. So <laughs> there's there's some wildly priced shoes out there. Yeah, and I'll say two more things on that. One, you're gonna be wearing them inside where the most important people in your life are gonna see them. And true. And two. You know, like handmade stuff is expensive. Um, yeah. You know, not gonna. You know, if we're gonna talk about ethics and consumption, sweatshops, baby, not good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I guess the argument is you could go to um, a a shop, a local shop, and just get ten dollars slippers anywhere. And that's yeah, true. That is, that is. But but I mean, I think it, again, it's like fine to have nice things. It's not wrong to want to have nice things. Uh, other things she's selling a tea container for two hundred dollars. You know, I know that there's like pe- people who are really heavy into tea, so I'm not sure if this is reasonably priced or not. So, I, I mean, if you want a really nice tea container made of Japanese elm, maybe that's how much you pay. I mean, I, I, you know me, I, I'm a sucker for really nice boxes. I don't, I don't have tea, which was a noted problem the last time a British person stayed with me. Um, but, but like, I think. I think like it is like a thing where you like bring out all your teas and I like, which one would you like? Um, and I think having like a, a nice box to present it with is a, is a nice, is a nice thing. It seems worth spending money on. I don't know if I would buy this one, um, but I think it's reasonable to spend money on, on that sort of thing. Yeah. I think if you're bringing out tea, like if you've got a whole ceremony going on where you, where you bring out your best stuff, yeah. Um, you kind of want to you kind of want to flex so (laughs) having a very nice tea container is is a good flex actually Uh, other stuff she's selling food storage containers uh, ranging from $34 to $60 so basically glorified Tupperware I'm not gonna lie I love Pyrex Um, I don't think you can get me to not like I don't know what could be better in food storage containers than Pyrex Um, but I so these are made of high quality enamel. It can go from the fridge to the stovetop. It's got, um, I don't know how to pronounce this. It's, it's got a very special wood lid. Oh, that's kind of cool. I do like wood. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a lot to pay when you can get a, uh, a Tupperware set of like 24 pieces for like $20. Yeah, but if it, it makes you happy or you're, you know, you know, I know some people like freak out about microwave and plastics and stuff like that. I'm not, you know, like all this stuff is like, I won't necessarily spend money on this, but I could understand why someone would. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. I wouldn't spend money on this, but if um, the team at a uh, conmarie.com want to reach out to us and offer us some for review, I would, I would not take offense at that. Yeah. If you could, I would happily. I would happily um, review these items. Especially the candle. Um, especially if you could edit the description to just be like any other garden, like a French garden. <laughs> I want to know what a $86 candle smells like. I, I low-key wish that um, this wasn't an online shop. Like if it was a physical place that you could you could go and smell it. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be fun. <laughs> um... And just, I, I guess that's, 
these are these are made at a Brooklyn shop, so you actually you can they do that. The candles. Yeah, oh, nice. they're made at Brooklyn-based Belox, B-E-L-L-O-C-Q. It's their signature the signature tea. tea. The big baller brand yeah. candles. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can go there and then uh, you can steal some scents without even uh, paying the $86 for it. I, I also think as we're looking through this and then we're saying, oh, that's reasonable or that's... Um, I can understand why that would cost that much, Uh Depending on the the work putting into it, put into it, and what you would use it for, are are we out of touch on this? I mean, I I think so. I mean, just the just even buying into this philosophy, you you kind of come have to have be coming from some kind of privilege, right? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I would say like a lot of that is just living in America. There's some people who have a very rough in America. You know, like people, people who have a rough time in America still have stuff outside of like the homeless. Um, yeah. Um, and they, they might not have bad, good stuff or, you know, they might not, they might, they, there's a lot of ways in which you can suffer and still have like physical stuff. Um, and I think. Yeah. So like the, the critique I often see, sorry to cut you off there is. That yeah, that participating in, in something like this where you can afford to get rid of things or um just even decluttering in general is a very like bougie thing. You know, I would say a lot of people I think a lot of people have a lot of baggage around it because of stuff like this and a lot of guilt. Um and I and I like both you and Claire have like talked around like guilt around sort of yeah, buy both buying and getting rid of stuff. Yeah, we kind of talked about that in the first episode when we discussed our backgrounds and like coming from like an immigrant family where you don't get rid of anything. This is a a big culture shock where it's like, oh, you're allowed to yeah to declutter. Yeah, I think I'm like one generation removed from that. Where like my my parents maybe didn't, you know. Especially my, you know, my grand, my grandmother was, grew up in um, the UK during World War II, where like her entire childhood was, you know, everything was being rationed. Um, And I think, you know, I I think her attitudes around that definitely like affected how, you know, she raised my mom and in turn, you know, raised me around attitudes around stuff. Um, and I think so this this kind of discussion on whether we're out of touch with the price of things and then where, where we're coming from on this it, it kind of blends into my my shirt report every up every um episode of this podcast how would you describe this segment I just talk about shirts well that that's kind of what I want to talk about having the money to spend on dumb shit um with the shirt report what is not okay. Not what is a reasonable amount to spend on a shirt. When does it get ridiculous? The amount of money that you're spending on a t-shirt. Like I, I want to hear like what your limits are. Should okay. Let me just throw out a number. Plain cotton shirt. Plain cotton is thirty. Yeah, plain cotton shirt, but um, it it might have like a, I I don't know. Maybe it just fits. I, I think I think my break even uh, point on plain cotton shirt. Where I would be like, you wild and is like 55. And like my personal limit would be 
30 and realistically i would like to be less than that where i would you know like 30 is like where i would start to like feel a little guilty around it that seems reasonable yeah definitely for a cotton shirt okay how about this uh a, a cotton shirt from with a really with a design you really like from someone you really want to support because you like their stuff um i don't know Okay, would would sixty dollars be too much? I don't think so, because I think I think it's about it's about more than just the item itself, and that's you know that's a lot of, and that's good. Okay, really fancy T-shirt, as in um, very expensive feeling, maybe maybe some kind of wool, and a lot of thought put into its construction. One hundred fifty dollars too much. I mean, I I kind of feel like cotton is just like the goat T-shirt material. Really? Yeah. Um. Okay. Now, now this this changes the whole discussion <laughs> of the shirt report because cotton is a really crappy material. No. In that it, it feels good, like for wearing around the house, it's fine, but it it just doesn't um it it holds water too much. And and it can it can be too hot to wear sometimes. Oh man, am I wilding on this? Like sometimes I'm like, I feel like for me, I don't like working out in cotton a lot because of uh just how much it holds sweat, or when it's hot, how much it holds sweat. Oh, I feel like that was just like my childhood <laughs> was like getting sweaty in cotton t-shirts, and like, I mean you don't like sweat as much when you're a kid. And it's less. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, you don't mind yeah, it as you, much. You, when you you're like a kid don't too. smell. It's very natural. Yeah, I think because for me, I come from. I'm I'm coming from like a perspective of when I like to travel, I don't like to bring cotton. Mm. Yeah, that's that's reasonable because I like. I like to bring as few shirts as possible that I don't sweat in, and also, that I can reuse without having to wash them. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, if you're talking about. If you're talking like especially like once you get into like something where there there's a special purpose for it, then you know, because if because you, you think about it, like at a certain point you're you're saving the money on checking a bag anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever came to an agreement on. Um... I'm, I mean, <laughs> how much is how much is too much to spend on properties? A shirt. This shirt would have and a reason why, and gave me a dollar amount of one fifty for like. Mm-hmm. A shirt you're gonna have a couple of so that you can go for long, wear it a bunch of times while you're on a on a trip, um, mm-hmm. and you know I think that's that's reasonable. So I think that both of us are wildin', <laughs> and that the standard person would hear this and be like thirty to fifty for a shirt is is like you're definitely out of touch. Nah, it's the kids. <laughs> especially like people who will go to thrift stores and you can get a shirt for two dollars I mean, i'm in new york city um every, mm-hmm. everything i i remember when i lived in wisconsin claire would come and visit me and she'd be like wow like no one here is like dressed up and i'm like what are you talking about and now i live in new york city and i get it it's just like you see people on the subway and you're just like damn you're going you're going out <laughs> Um, and just, just like everyone, everyone here is just like trying so hard with when it comes to, to dressing up. 
I don't don't think if I've talked about this anywhere, but when um, we went to Paris last month, and I was sort of expecting that vibe too. And like, there were certainly people who were like dressed in like really avant-garde fashion. Like, I saw like maybe five people like that. But I guess I I feel like I wasn't super impressed, like I expected to be, of people dressed up. There are a lot of people dressed up nice, um, but yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't like I did not feel like I was in the fashion capital of the world. I don't trust the French. <laughs> what? I, I no. I, I feel like the French have a really good like PR department, and are like, oh, we have the best uh-huh. cooking. We are the most philosophical. We are the most beautiful. We and it's just like they're actually just kind of like normal people who don't like to work. Um. And and I say that as a compliment. Um, yeah, I, I you know like France has pretty intentionally over the, like the last forty years dramatically reduced working hours um, as a society, and I'm extremely jealous. Um, but like other than that, it's just like they kind of just seem like normal people who speak French, and they're not, mm-hmm. I mean I guess they're like compared to the English in general, who are like the worst and have like the worst taste in everything. So I, I I guess it's like all English people. They're just like, oh yeah, the the English are so uncultured, and I guess when you're just like a normal French person, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will say I I was surprised by the. Uh, I guess what stuck out to me about about French fashion is I saw a lot of people wearing Skechers. Oh, that's, that's great. And <laughs> lo- locals wearing Skechers. I'm not I'm not Skechers shaming. But I was just like, I expected to see more people in a two hundred dollar house shoes. That, um, <laughs> but instead, I just saw lots of Skechers. The other day, I, I on the, my way to the work, I saw someone coming back from the gym, like on my way to the subway, just like having just been at the gym, um, just in a in a in a full red tracksuit, bright red. Uh-huh. Wow, you styling! Like, it sounds like a look. Yeah, it was. Are you sure that they? I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that, but go, go I mean, on. They either come from the gym or were very sweaty for some other reason. <laughs> uh, um, all right. Uh, what, what tidying have we done lately, Kenny? What have you done lately? So, uh, a big thing, big thing I did is um, put up, put up winter clothes. Sorry, put up summer clothes and got down the winter clothes. And in doing that, got rid of a couple things instead of putting them away. Um, and also sort of made sure everything fit in the winter's clothes and got a pair, got rid of two pairs of jeans and sort of to use that as an excuse to sort of go through my clothes a little bit. So you did do a little bit of a tidying or getting rid of stuff. I did. Yeah. I mean, two pairs of jeans, that's kind of big. Not as big as my ass got, apparently. I don't know. Some people are into that, Kenny. Um, so what did I do lately? We, I, I prepared our house for your visit. Um, uh, what was it? Two weeks ago. Yeah. What, what we were, ago? we were graced with the, the presence of uh, Kenny and his partner, Claire. And so I had to make sure that our, our home wasn't too much of a mess and p- pretend as if uh I, I I live what we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I did a I did a bit of tidying and um decluttering and 
making sure that I didn't have too much stuff in the room that you would be sleeping in. Yeah, yeah, I, I had a good time. It was it's was pretty tidy. Um, you did not want to play my game of me ask you if every single item in your house brought you joy. <laughs> yeah, you were you were about to. I th- I felt like I heard I you starting. Like, it what do you think? Someone. Does this bring you joy? And I could just tell you you had already regretted me being there, and we're probably going to kick me on out the street. so that was actually most of that was um in in preparation was actual cleaning like as in breaking breaking out a mop oh and and mopping up all the the spots on our floor that um our cat puked on on. (laughs) classic Hemingway yeah so that was most of the cleaning that we did and it's kind of nice because uh, like a lot of people, we try to make sure our home is as clean as we can get it before the new year. And it felt like we had a head start on it. And now we just have to like run the clock <laughs> until we get to the new year and keep the house clean until then. <laughs> we just we just need to um, keep it in the state that it's in now. And then we'll, we'll be successful in reaching our, our end of the year goal. Nice. Nice. I don't know. Did we want to cover anything else? Are we done with this? Uh, was this worth putting putting together an episode for? I, I think it was. Um, oh, I, I had one other thought I had to get, to get back on yeah. the thing we've been talking about the whole time. And if what, how much money is too much money I spent on a shirt? Uh, yeah. And I think, I think like I, when I was in college, I took a, a couple of anthropology classes. And one of, one of the things you really notice when you read a lot of anthropology is a lot of how much human behavior centers around like dressing up um, and like getting ready for the big dance essentially, or like the big ceremony and looking good and like preparing your outfit for that and your makeup and what you're going to wear and like learning the dance. And that a lot of times, you know, when people talk about like spending a bunch of money on clothes, it's like, Oh, that's a waste. You can, you got to spend as little money as possible. Um, you know, you got to save money. You can't spend on stupid stuff like clothes or like makeup or anything like that. But it's like really all that kind of stuff is like some of the most central human experiences and are about sort of, you know, literally like flexing, flexing on all, all the people in your tribe is like a huge core human experience. <laughs> <laughs> And that's like a deep, it's a deeply human thing. And it's weird that we think that's a waste of money. Um, and, you know, obviously like people are going to have different abilities to do that. And it's a problem that money is distributed in a way where richer people are. And then, like part of it is like a response to the fact that, that richer people are better able to like whatever, whatever looking good is richer people are able to do it the best because they can spend so much money on things. And there is a certain extent to which, um, you know, but we should just take their money and um, redistribute it. So everyone has the ability to wear nice shit. That's, that's what, that's what progress looks like. Facts. Yeah. I'm, I'm up for it. Um, <laughs> what, what, what have we learned in this episode, Kenny? Um, I've learned the the store was not as ridiculous as people had made it out to be, even if I still don't really want to buy anything on it. Um, but I would still appreciate if 
Kamari sent me a candle as payment for this this extreme standing episode we had. I guess it sounds reasonable, but I don't know. And get I'm I'm looking I went back to return to the shop and uh, to look at what they had and um, along with the oil diffuser because you need to buy the actual stuff that you put into it. Um, there's twenty seven dollar now or never motivation mist. And uh, the the idea of um, mist uh, motivating you to do things is, um... you know, what? I was going to say it's very silly to me, but what about people who are into that, um, those like chill hip hop beats to work or study to? Oh my, I, you know, I love that shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that, this is like the, the, yeah, um, it... the, the nasal version of that. <laughs> <laughs> Like if if music can motivate you to 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 work on something, why not something you smell? Like that's just as powerful a sense. I mean, it's I w- I will be fair. It's not um, scent. Scent is definitely a bottom tier tier um, sense. I don't think so. I think it's way underrated. I mean, <laughs> no, no, it's- no. Just think about just how effective it is at um. At like reminding you of a certain thing, a certain time, a certain moment. I don't know if if, if you get that, but for me, literally, uh, the only thing I smell in New York is piss. Okay, all right. <laughs> we have we have a, we have a completely different environment that we're talking about here. I don't have a, a great sense of smell, and every day I'm thankful for that. I can see how <laughs> how if that if that's what you're surrounded by, it, it might not be the sense that you're most grateful for, mm-hmm. but I, I do think it's, it's underrated. I'm a, fa- I'm a fan of smells. Do you know what my favorite sense is? What is that? The one that makes it so you always know which direction is up. What, what do you call that? I forget what it's called, but it's, it's, there's actually just like a ton of senses. Um, Cause there's just like, ah, if we put someone in like this situation, even though they don't have any of their other senses, they can still tell which direction is up. So it's his own distinct sense. So you think of all of them, that's the best. I, I just think it's cool. Not like seeing or tasting food or see, seeing ghosts or... <laughs> so so listen, let's let's say you were in a sensory deprivation tank. Uh-huh. Uh, you couldn't see anything. You couldn't hear anything. You couldn't feel gravity. It felt like you were floating... And you could still tell which direction was up. Isn't that walking wild? I guess. Just the whole scenario you described is very terrifying to me. <laughs> okay, here's here's what I learned. Um, if, if I was one, one of those um, people you were studying in your anthropologic classes... Um, I would want to flex on my tribe in some $200 leather room shoes. Yeah. Gotta imagine like the, imagine like the chieftain in your, in your group being like, where'd you get those? Like, <laughs> like you got to hook me up with, with these shoes. Yeah. I remember one of them we watched, it was one of uh, Werner Herzog's movies and like the tribe is like, they got batteries and they're, breaking open the batteries to smear the battery acid on their face 
because mm-hmm. it makes this like really nice yellow. Um, it's a battery, which is sort of, we think of electricity as this like huge, um, you know, like marvel of our society. And they were just like, no, you guys are cool because you can make a really nice yellow that makes us really look really fabulous. <laughs> and it's, it's just like an interesting, you know, because in a lot of, I'm not going to say like electricity is bad. And I think there have been like a lot of huge human achievements in terms of life expectancy and stuff. But I think that sometimes as a society, we have like priorities really backwards. We don't focus enough on like taking all of sort of um, the mechanicalization and like urbanization to like spend more time with our families or dressing up. Um, we just work more and it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. And I, I try not to be pessimistic, but you just depressed me. <laughs> well... The good, I mean, so like France, as I was saying, they made a very conscious decision as a society to work less and they've like cut the average person's working hour to like, it, the average person works something like 32 hours a week or something like that. Um, it's significantly less than in the US. Yeah, you're not allowed to work more than 35 hours a week. It sounds great. Sounds, sounds fantastic. Um yeah, I don't know where I was going with whatever we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I learned that I, I wanted expensive leather shoes to, to flex on other villagers. And um, I also learned we are wildly out of touch with um, <laughs> with with, the, with what most working class people expect to pay for things. That's true. Um, <laughs> we're, ta- we're talking about um, trips to Paris um anthropologic classes at our universities and uh spending 30 to 50 dollars on cotton t-shirts yeah so but the thing is we want everyone to be able to do that and that's yeah everyone deserves nice things um everyone should be able to smell a queen's guard candle if they want yeah maybe maybe like Karl marx candle instead <laughs> What, what would that smell like? The future. <laughs> the immortal okay. times of dialectical materialism. The the Queen's Guard candle, um, be, besides the, the black tea blend in the English gardens, it, it has notes of English heirloom rose, lavender, rose geranium, and Ceylon tea. Huh. Um, it sounds nice. Do you have a favorite smell? Yeah, I actually, um, I do at least from like a candle or a diffuser when i was at the the muji in um i think soho when i was visiting you they had a diffuser that had like a lemongrass scent mm. and then i realized that that's what i that's the kind of candle scent that i want that's to have nice. uh, so lemongrass which i was surprised by because that's not um if you'd asked me before then, like, what is a smell that I like? I would have picked something like way basic. Like, uh, I don't know. What are the, what are the basic ca- candle scents? Um, well, I was about to say that I'm, I'm about to be a very basic man and say, I really like, um, wood fires. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Do they make a candle that has that? You can probably do it, but it's probably, it's not right. I can, I can tell you without smelling it that, I would either A, be like, that's not right, or B, be just like constantly paranoid about, is there a fire happening? (laughs) 
I, I have to say one of my favorite things when you were um, visiting us a, a couple weeks ago, when you and Claire were visiting us, and I, I took you both to Ikea, and there was a moment when um, you picked up a basket or you picked up something, and I think it was like wicker. Do you remember this? I don't. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to find out what I did next. <laughs> this is one of my favorite dunkings because it was so... Um, I, I just wasn't expecting it. You were like, I like this, this wicker basket. And it was like just a moment where you were, you were ad- admitting that you like something. And Claire's like, oh, you like that? Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, I like this. And then she says, well, you're basic. <laughs> That's really funny. And, uh, I, I just, the fact that you got dunked on so hard by your partner, it brought so much, it sparked so much joy in me. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a simple man. Yeah. Do you remember this now? No. I, it, it, stuck, it stuck out to me. I was glad it happened and I'm glad that I got to share it with you and our audience. Mm-hmm. Oh man. God help whoever got to the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> we were really rambling for a lot of, a lot of spots here. Um, all right, do we want to end this? Thank you all for listening. 